All right, well, we've started now the podcast, and I, I like to start every podcast by asking, what is it that you do and sure. who you are? But that's a bit deep, but just, you know. <laughs> Okay, cool. I'm Susan Oakwell, and um, I, my main company is called Optimism. So it's corporate learning and development, a lot of digital learning. We work for the big corporates, and um, certainly in the last couple of years, a lot for the government, um, just while the corporates were being quiet, but hopefully they'll come back soon. Um, and my new company is the Induction Company, which um, has the Induction app, which is like a, a digital platform to help small, medium businesses induct uh, their people really well, set them up for success. Um, yeah, that's what I do. Oh, plus I'm on the board of Entrepreneurs Organisation. I only say that because it's such a big part of my life as well. Yeah, you're saying I need to upskill on that. Can, can you tell me a little bit about that? Entrepreneurial, what would you say? Yeah, entrepreneurial, oh, entrepreneurs organization. Yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, my goodness. Um, yeah, so we've, um, I'm not sure if you've ever heard of Vern Harnish scaling up. So he, he's he got the Gazelles Institute as well. He's out of US. And he was all about helping um, small or fast-growing businesses grow faster and better. And he wrote lots of stuff, he, he did lots of things, and then realised that they just didn't have a community to rub together. Um, and so he formed this thing called Entrepreneurs' Organisation. So it came out of US. Tony Falkenstein from Just Life Group, Just Water, Just Life Group, he initiated it here in New Zealand, I think maybe 24 years ago now. Mm. And um, it's so in New Zealand, we have about 120 uh, entrepreneurs. And think about 20 what we call accelerators who uh, don't quite meet the threshold so the threshold for entrepreneurs organization is one US mill turnover um, so that means you generally have you know, a bunch of staff you've the thing about entrepreneurs organization is we're all in it together it doesn't matter what sort of industry or business you have we fundamentally have similar challenges as say you've got cash flow issues or your number two just quit or um, now you've got to make people redundant or um, just whatever, or your biggest contract just got cancelled. So all of those sorts of things. So it's within Entrepreneurs Organisation we have, or we call it EO, we've got such strong values that I could go to an EO function and I could want to know what salespeople should be worth. And I could ask five people, what do you pay your salespeople? And they will tell me. So hmm. it's, it's just iron sharpening iron all the time and yeah as part of EO you get put into a forum and and there's lots of learning events social events the, the whole works but um, inside your forum you might have seven to ten businesses you meet each month I had my forum last night um, and we meet for first sort of you know a uh, few hours we talk about a top five percent bottom five percent for the month so mm. reflections then we take turns putting a challenge on the table and whatever it happens to be for you. And everybody else says, hey, well, when that happened to me or when I was in a similar situation, I did this. So we can't give advice ever. We only experience share. So just imagine constantly getting input and advice from seven other entrepreneurs, very different industries, and learning from their experience. It's just amazing. Yeah, it's so important. I think any success, whether personal or you know, professionally, has been the result of someone else. I would, you know, or yep. any hardship has been the result of someone else. Too. Oh, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. But you're right. When people look at the big differences, the big shifts that they had in their lives or their businesses, there was a mentor, or mm. there was somebody who believed in them, or there was somebody who spoke into their life, or there was, you know, and and it just made a switch, made a change. And I know you can do that through books as well, which is why they say how many books you read is how fast you grow and develop, but also the people who get to speak into your life somehow. Yeah, my business associate calls it making the invisible visible. Yes, I was just saying that yesterday. Well, yeah, well, yeah. there you go. You two will get along. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Seeing seeing what you don't see and being willing to be challenged by somebody, and so that's part of the EO ethos as well. That you you challenge, you ask the hard questions, and yeah. Yeah, I find I find um, three main reasons I see businesses fail is either a lack of self awareness, so admitting when you know either they're not the right person for the job or where they're um, lacking in some area, and people are trying to give feedback and they're avoiding it. The other one would be spending too much. 
and the other one would be not having enough support. Yeah. Yeah, I think support's really big. I agree with you, first two, but support's really big. So I didn't find EO until oh, only about seven years ago, and it was actually Tony Falkenstein who sort of gave me a call and said, hey, have you heard of EO? Um, somebody said you might be good for this, and do you want a coffee about it? And it's absolutely changed my life and my business um, being an EO. I'm a little, yeah. I'm a little precious. I don't like hanging out with people I choose to hang out with. But the premise, the same thing. Like, for example, I interviewed some uh, competitors on the podcast a few years back. And one of them was like, well, why don't we get together? And I was like, well, why don't we do that? So every month we get together and support and encourage each other or rip people apart. <laughs> they rip my business plan apart. Um, yeah. And, and it is, it's, it's a game changer. It's like the yeah. trajectory. Yeah. It changes your it life. It does, doesn't it? Yeah, that's huge. On the cost thing, your, that was your second point, the mm. biggest reason. Um, I just went to a Jack Daly um, thing. I'm not sure if you heard Jack Daly. He's a, a big in sales and also mm. culture and life by design. One of his things is there are there is no costs in business. Your expenditure must be return on investment, and that's how you judge it, mm. which, is, which is just a, a little shift in thinking. It's yeah. Like, yeah, do I need this brand new furniture? Is there a return on that investment uh, over and above if I got secondhand furniture for the office? Yeah, now that makes sense. Yeah, and when I was saying costs, I was thinking of people, you know, getting their Ferrari on finance yep. and wearing their, you know, designer yep. clothes and whatever. I, I don't yep. get that. Maybe yep. if you love cars and you love a certain, you know, way you present, or and- if you're motivated by status. Yeah. Big cat. No cows, you know that, that's that Texan big hat, no cattle, but they like to look good. <laughs> big hat, no cattle. I yeah. like it. <laughs> yeah, uh, the only person I try and look good in front of is myself in the yep. mirror. Um, yep. Which is hard sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> it helps if it's a tinted mirror. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like it's one that they should do it like a Snapchat filter. This like yeah. immediately. Yeah, yeah, while yeah. You're looking at it. Or that fuzzy lighting, unlike the stuff they put in dressing rooms. Why do you always oh. look so awful in a dressing room? That's rough. That's not useful. Yeah. Why, nah. do, why wouldn't they give you filtered lighting so you look good? And exactly. then you buy more. Yeah, mood lighting. Especially bikinis, honestly. <laughs> I, I, yeah. yeah, you probably haven't tried on bikinis, but <laughs> no, no, yeah. whenever you're trying on bikinis, it's like, oh my goodness, surely I don't look like that in daylight. Because it's such harsh light. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's rough. And it's coming from there as well. So you get all the the bits you don't want to see like that yeah all right well when i get a bikini i'll, <laughs> yeah. I'll let you next know. time you try <laughs> yeah i'll try it. um <laughs> all right well I, I think also it's good to to inspire you know there could be a young business owner starting out listen to this or even an older business owner starting yeah. out and being like is this even possible is it too late to reinvent myself no so when did you decide you're going to be a business owner did you start selling lemonade when you were four or oh funny um no, so when I was at school, um, I was really good at school work, you know, uh, oh, yeah. whereas um, whereas my sister was creative. So she was creating oh, way back then. She Yeah, very artistic and creative. And she used to make all of these little um, brooches out of Fimo. I don't know if you know what Fimo is, but <laughs> you, can, you can design little brooches. And she used okay. to make all these and I thought oh that's so unfair she can do something and I can't sell maths equations really <laughs> um so but what I started doing was giving her a um, you know a certain amount for these things selling them for more keeping the margin of course and that was probably my first little piece but I always knew I'd be self-employed or at least in business self-employed always my father was and my mother was hmm. so it was a no-brainer I had to be and back then also when I was going to school, because I left at 16, because, you know, it got boring. Mm. Um, my my father used to always say, uh, you know, you can be in business. That's a good thing. You could work for someone else. Yep. Or you could work for the government. And that, for, in his eyes, that was the worst possible thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Dad. Yeah. You know, getting that government job for life. Yeah. You know, that one. So, yeah, we just had a very... Um, uh, self-reliant family mentality. Yeah, got you. Well, that's rare, you know, like entrepreneurship has only become fashionable recently. 
last few years. So you had a support network in the family encouraging you on that. So did, did your friends think you're a bit like, you know, what are you doing? Like, come get the oh, job, the safe job. You're not making uh, any money yet. What? Like, okay. Uh, I didn't actually have any friends. Oh, okay. No, I didn't. I just didn't. Yeah. I know I, I hung out with a couple of people at school and I'm grateful for them letting me hang out with them. Yeah. Uh, but no, I never had deep friends at school. I didn't oh. go to university, so I didn't make friends there. Um, I didn't get to do the, the small child baby thing, so I didn't get to meet baby child parents either so I didn't really get friends from there again why EO has been life-changing for me yeah well that makes because sense. now I actually um yeah even in my first sort of you know weeks it was like oh my goodness I finally found my tribe I belong here I actually fit mm. um yeah well if it makes you feel better on my 21st I invited quite a few people two people turned up one of them I didn't know and my friend he had a speech because prepared for a group of people and so he started talking to the cushions because there's no one else there. So, yeah. So, you know, I feel you. And it makes sense with that entrepreneurial organization. Entrepreneur. EO. Oh, fuck. <laughs> um, EO. Yeah. Because, you know, it's it's all set up. You just slot in and you just got to meet a certain criteria. The challenge yeah. is you, you know, it's hard to get from, you know, that from nothing to that revenue without the support in the middle, especially if you're not someone that can accumulate a network. Yeah. Is there yeah. another way to get there or have you seen yep. other successful models that could do that? Not necessarily in competition to them, but whether it's um, organizing meet and greets, whether it's um, door knocking a hundred business owners yeah. and getting two friends. Yeah. Well, I think um, when I've looked at all the businesses that, that really go strong, go well, it's typically because, not mine, uh, typically because the people met in university or somewhere, they were friends, they had different skills. So one was maybe marketing or sales and the other was the actual technician part of whatever the business was. They hooked up and maybe there was a finance person. Mm. So either two or three, sometimes four, they hook up and they go, let's do something together. And you've already got that support network, you've got people who've um, hopefully got the same vision but they're working towards the same goal uh, they can share the hard decisions or when it's going well or when it's not if you're a single business owner which I've always been mm. apart from my first six months different story um, yeah it's it's a lot harder because you have to own everything and you do I think you go slower which is what they say if you want to go fast go alone if you want to go a long way go together Mm. Yeah, and I know that, and I've started now to do something about that. So I have got my EO circle. I still don't have an advisory board or a board board, um, but I am, yeah, I'm now more conscious of strengthening uh, through like shareholding and things like that, strengthening the the people who deeply care about the businesses. That's an art, eh? It's like... So I have massive trust issues because I understand people too well. But um, I, so I focus not on trusting them, but trusting I'll be okay if something happens and yep. then just giving them certain responsibilities and letting them run r- rampant with it. Do you, On that business partnership, because I, the, uh, another big failing and why businesses tear apart is they have assigned too much control with lack of oversight to a certain aspect of their business and got mm. absolutely, you know. Owned. See that all the time. Yeah. Do yeah. You, what, what sort of do you see a differentiator between the successful partnerships and unsuccessful? Where there's two or three people in a business. Yeah, and it works. Oh, because it's hard. Yeah. Oh, that is that is. I know that's why I've never tried it. Um, mm. Partly because in, when I first went into business, I went into business with another woman, completely different. We were publishing. Oh my goodness, a weekly publication is the most stressed I've ever been in my entire life uh at 22 I developed a little uh white streak along there oh yeah bizarre um but yeah huge stress a horrible horrible industry or thing to do um our operating styles were so different our values were different our operating styles were different everything was different and there there is no cohesiveness so I think just like in a marriage or a, a you know a deep relationship, your values and your vision need to be aligned, and and then the the clarity of responsibilities. Mm. 
it makes sense. Like, so the, I'm I'm starting to develop more of an understanding of it's called acceptance and commitment therapy, because part of what I enjoy is the emotional component of life and and helping facilitate yeah. success in that sense. Yeah. And um, help me define values and minor empathy, authenticity, and responsibility. Anything more, I'll forget it. Um, and that's that's the filter of which I view relationships and opportunities, whether professional or personal. And because it's hard to be around someone that doesn't respect your boundaries. Mm. And it's also hard to respect someone that doesn't have those boundaries. It doesn't mean I have to dislike them because they're not here and I'm thinking about them. That's stupid. Like, oh, this person's such an asshole. Because <laughs> uh, who's that hurting? It's like the bully that keeps on exactly. bullying. Yeah. Um. So, do you? How did you discover your your values, or uh, yeah, or do you have values, or you know, I'm making assumptions here. <laughs> do you have values? Um. Yeah, I do, and I revisit them every so often, and you know, ideally they don't change. Um. And also that that part of the purpose. Um. I suppose some of mine get embedded into the organization as well, like the main, or the original organization. Um, yeah, if you say, what are they? Yeah. <laughs> um, from a personal perspective, I do need to go and review them, but I do know it's around variety. It's a, around adventure and adventure activity and doing, um, but mm. also constant learning. Because if I stop learning... I don't know. I lose. I lose myself. Actually, it's interesting. Yeah. It's like you, you've got, for lack of a better word, you're almost always stimulated. You got variety. Yeah. You got yeah. adventure. Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, there's boredom. Uh, yeah, and, and the boredom, is not useful. Yeah, and being alone with yourself. Oh no, I love being alone. Okay. Oh no, that's where I recharge. I don't. Yeah. No, I love being alone. Love okay. it. Yeah. Okay. Because, yeah. yeah, like if I was to look at those underlying values, um, I would think there's a certain need to have something going on. Otherwise, it's quite confronting to not have those distractions. That's why I sort of went there. But we don't no. have to go. Oh, no, no, no. I'm fine with that. Um, no, I actually uh, – that I was just reflecting back on some most joyful times or experiences of my life. Hmm. Most joyful and joyful is pretty well always alone, whether I'm tramping or whether I'm sitting on the beach or whether I'm traveling alone or whether – I know it's a terrible thing to say, I'm married. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's different because a joyful is deep inner joy yeah. and, and so that's inside me. Um, whereas happy is more, you know, or fun because we were differentiating between joy and fun. <laughs> so fun, that's my fun stuff. But the other is, is – yeah yeah no i i love my own company love it makes sense like so i made a decision that i was gonna um, build a business around emotional success seven years ago but people scared me like that was my number one fear so i did commissionally selling um essentially i talked to a hundred thousand people over 13 years i worked it out and um I, I do. I find serenity and peace and, and I feel on show with people. Yep. You know, it's quite hard yep. to land and Absolutely. be like, you know, here I am. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I feel you on the... This. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, most of the time, it is sort of a performance. So my, my trade, if you like, is as a trainer. And uh, yeah, I'm performing. And then at the end of that, at the end of a day or something like that, thank goodness I don't do much anymore. Uh, <laughs> at the end of a day... Um, I'm ready to run away, and people want to come and talk and say, "No, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm done. I need, I need <laughs> yeah. to have no people." And so, yeah, I suppose in the weekends, that's why I'm quite quiet because I'm peopled out. I'm, I'm slightly more introvert than extrovert. I can perform when needed, but yeah, I mean, I I'm very introverted. We, we had um, there was a moment where we had to go and stop people in the street because the um, shopping centres closed because that's what we do. We stop forty people a day. And get rejected by hundreds <laughs> or thousands. And wow, resilience. Yeah, resilience. But then essentially, when I had to do that, I just went and cried because it was so overwhelming. And then I was like, yeah. all right, tomorrow again, we're off. 
and so that that needing to disconnect and recharge is i think an essential component and then having people that respect and understand that and that's a two-way street of communicating and 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 holding that space man that's committed yeah well that's really pushing yourself through your boundaries and out the other side yeah and it never went away which is great (laughs) after all of that you still get fearful so um but it, it just what it teaches you because there is exposure therapy and and you Mm. can like if you're afraid of needles incrementally get exposed to it yeah the challenge with people is that it's not a you can't have controlled environments so you can't medicate yourself by saying hey you have this certain fear around people you get the reassurance to reparent yourself that hey it's okay people aren't that bad but then people have huge variation Mm. so it's quite Mm. hard to Mm. um, use exposure therapy to do that and also, I'm getting rejected all the time, which reinforces my fear of people. So I've actually adjusted that. I wouldn't recommend that as an approach to... <laughs> How to, did you shift it in your head? What did you say differently? For me, it's about incremental exposure of vulnerabilities yep. and, and areas that are accepting. So it might even just be eye contact with someone. That teaches me, hey, they have eye contact back. That's a positive reinforcement. Yeah. And it's not about hiding the emotion and withdrawing it. Yeah. It's about wearing it in small pieces that have a high probability of success. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then you get bigger and stronger yep. vulnerability-wise. I yep. never got bigger, stronger in person. Oh. Just got bigger and wider for <laughs> McDonald's. Um, <laughs> I do remember when I was 22, first in business, and uh, after the end of the publishing, thank goodness, yeah. with the 180,000 overdraft. Nice. Um, yeah, at 22, it's like, they lent that much to you then on overdraft. But anyway. That's mad. Uh, yeah. Um, so I had forced myself to go to back then Chamber of Commerce where ev- it was all men and they all had dark black suits on. Oh, yeah. I'd be the only woman in the room and I had to try and talk to these people mm. to see if I could generate business and I hated it. Yeah forced myself into it now i can do it and and yeah it's yeah definitely the key is to look for the person standing by themselves because they'll yeah. be delighted to see you 100 <laughs> percent. yeah the, yep i yeah the outcasts of sort well just the people that are interim they're in the moment yeah i do that too i was like who's the weak link for lack of a yep. word yep. and start there and then yep. merge yeah i get yep. you I, I decided i kept trying to force networking but then i realized social media i can reach a large amount of people what am I actually good at? Okay, one-on-one, I feel more comfortable and yeah. at ease. Yeah. So I just facilitate yeah. that and then record it. Yeah. So you and I could be talking to hundreds of thousands of people, depending on how the content goes. Yeah. <laughs> how exciting it is. Yeah. The long form doesn't have that much. It's the little ones that take off. Um, cool. All right. So $180,000 overdraft. That's oh, yeah. you know, daunting. How did you work that out like you know you had repayments you had to make or it just sat there and then they're like oh like how you going no, you going to sell it, your house it, it really it just sat there uh did i even have a house then no i'd sold my house um so the reason i could go into business in the first place is uh i had been so i got married young left school early uh, my dad helped us build a house um and so we had this house hadn't actually finished the house when we decided we needed to separate you know anyway but oh separated and 180,000 overdraft yeah and living by myself oh uh, in a flat that I was paying 250 a week for back then yeah and I was only maybe I was paying 200 or 180 and my earnings my drawings were 250 a week Yay. um yeah fun fun stuff uh I probably packed up at that point um, oh no, that, yeah. So as a result of that, I oh know this is a bit messy. Sorry, as a result of that, because the publishing put that to bed, wrote this little magazine with all the goodness that I collected. You know how to write your CV, yeah. how to get a job, how to plan your life. I'm so wise at 22. Anyway, <laughs> um, wrote this thing, and it went gangbusters because back then everybody was laying off people, and they would hmm. buy uh, the governments and things would buy box loads of these books and that was enough to keep me alive for a while and then they go hey run a seminar on it and oh run a training course on that and I went okay and then I scored my first really large contract um with a government department who was laying off thousands and then yeah then that sort of slowly became from off the back of that pretty well I started the company wow yeah oh in the meantime obviously I got a degree because I knew it was sort of important but I did it completely by correspondence 
there, there was um, a guest we had a few years back, uh, Stan Henry. He does um, tension seekers. And he, his whole business model was business um, manager and helping other business owners because he was a general manager for large hotel chains. So he was giving them advice and supporting them, similar to EO. Um, finally got some of her. And <laughs> and then suddenly COVID hit and he his whole business model, his clients didn't want to pay him, just stopped it. So he, for two weeks, because he moved from Australia, sold everything, brought his girlfriend with him and like they were relying solely on this business, disappeared overnight. So he sat and played Assassin's Creed, a video game, and felt sorry for himself for two weeks. And then he pivoted and changed everything. Did you have that? Like, what, what was your wallowing period? Like, what were you... Do you just like look at the oh, ceiling and actually, like, what yeah. is my life? No, no. So, um, <laughs> what? Yeah, I actually remember that. So it was like, oh my goodness, we've closed this magazine. So we'd been running it six nine months or something. It was getting worse, not better. And I'm permanently optimistic. I just am. So I kept expecting next week we'll make more sales. It'll be better. Anyway, thank goodness my business partner was older and wiser than me. That's about it. Um, and <laughs> she went, nah, we've got to quit this. She did a runner, went off, got herself a contract and pretty well went, here you go. Um, so I went, okay, right, what do I do here? I probably need to get a job. So I remember looking at the newspaper and uh, picked out a job, funnily enough, with AMP as oh, yeah. training and development manager or something like that. Yeah. And I went, okay, cool. I cut it out. That's as far as I got couldn't apply for another job just ingrained I need to run my own show I need to make my own decisions stand or fall on my own sword um I'll figure this out mm. so yeah there's been some serious ups and downs throughout but yeah a huge time I mean this last COVID thing sure but before that we had GFC before that we had <laughs> you know it's just just gonna happen and then, keeps giving. and then you get surprise legal cases out of nowhere so there's huge like bigs ups and downs but uh, uh I would rather be doing this than yeah being told what to do no, I agree I the best and worst things about life is taking responsibility for your success and failures. Yeah. Because <laughs> you yeah. can't you can't run. You're like, nope. oh, it's my fault. Fuck. Yep. Yeah. Now I hear you. Yep. So so how you... did I let that happen? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, as I say, I was saying off here that I play victim a lot. So um, <laughs> that's it's, so it's a new talent. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. Well, it helps someone. Someone hears does the exact same thing. They listen to me like, you know what, Ryan, you're a little victim like me, but you try to take responsibility. I'm gonna do it too. Um, so not going to get a job, turned it around doing seminars and then it evolved into something else or what happened? Yeah. Uh, cause I was still, uh, doing my degree. So I was trying to run this company and I was doing at least four papers, maybe six papers a year through, you know, through Massey, hmm. um, and went to one vacation course. Because, you know, they make you go turn up for two days a year sort of thing, which is always fun because I got to pretend to be a student and you stay in the hostels. It was just awesome. It was like a little holiday. I loved it. Um, I would have loved university, I think. Um, and met a guy there who worked for ANZ and he said, oh, so you do training and development. Do you do product training? And I went, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll work it out. Yeah. yeah. There's no it, Google oh, Okay, there. cool. No, no, this <laughs> is pretty... Uh, yeah. Internet had just come in. I know that sounds so bad. Internet yeah. had come in only for email. So that one, you know, yeah. that was sending an email. Um, and so I met with him and I went, yep, we can do that. And so. We, because it was just we, you. Right? Oh, yeah. I, I look very easy. You say the royal we. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we. Uh, we can do that. <laughs> Me, myself. Just makes you I. look bigger. Yeah, yeah, I get you. Yeah, yeah. And. Um, yeah, so I started doing that, and then I hired my first employee. Oof. How? You know, what was that like? Like, how do you get, do you put a classified ad? Do you ask No, around? no, it's really funny. Um, so my mum said, oh, I know somebody who um, knows a little bit about computers. You know. <laughs> I went, oh, okay. So I hired her. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> That sums up small business. <laughs> yeah, pretty well. Oh, this is a long time ago. And honestly, she stayed with me for 20, 25 years. Wow. Yeah. That was good. So she became very good at computers. Yes. Yeah. What did, what did her role evolve into? Oh, well, um, so this is Tony. Um, 
uh, yeah, the, the, the whole uh, the whole thing. So she was a learn. She became a learning partner, so yeah. learning consultant, learning partner. That's what we call them. And then when I decided to go wandering for six months or so, I said, "Here, Tony, you run the company, and um, I'm just going to go for wander." And she went, "Oh, okay." She didn't really want to. <laughs> So here, you have it. Uh, when I came back, there was more money in the bank. She'd fired somebody and she'd moved buildings. Oh, go Good Tony. effort, Tony. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm grateful to see you again, I imagine. Oh, yes. I actually asked if I could have another few weeks off. She said, no, you have to come home now. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> wow, respect. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, it was you, pretty awesome. Yeah, it sounds like it. So you're doing this product development as a we that turned into a Product we. training. Yep. Product training. Yeah, yeah. That makes more sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Product training. Yep. Training and development, which okay. is what we used to call it. Now we call it learning and development. Huh. I and it, it, that model's still the same thing that you stayed with? I know you do induction Fundamentally, now. yeah, yeah. So optimism's, optimism's um, base or core is still learning, design, and development. So we, uh, after a particular phase, all we do is design development. So we don't have packages. We don't, um, you don't provide these, these one-off things. We design and develop learning solutions, learning and performance solutions in whatever format. That's why we do it a lot of digital because some you know, digital uh, digital technologies give you a lot of scope for doing things really nicely, easily. and yeah. Um, yeah. But we still design training courses or it could just be a checklist. That's all that's needed to change everything or whatever it happens to be. So, yeah, that is uh, learning strategy and design is still the fundamental of optimism but with a big dose of digital technologies, which is what we've got a bit of a name for as well. So let's say, let's say you're doing these governments or corporates or people that have staff that require development because induction supports the uh, the small to medium. So that although the big ones buy that as well, but anyway, oh both. yeah, oh, even yeah. though I made it for the smaller medium, the big ones have bought it. Huh? Yeah, it's cool. It's great. Good on yeah. them. Yeah. So so the what do you actually do? So like yeah, okay. what do we do? Okay. You know what I mean? Like you come give in. me some examples. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So. Um, uh, what is a couple of the projects um, we're doing? We're doing. You can make one up too. Um, uh, some of them, yeah, aren't really secrets, but it could be for a bank. We are um, doing a whole bunch of so all of their different products. Oh, that's where we started actually in ANZ, but um, uh, it might be all their products and services and helping their people understand them and uh, know the right place and time and the right people that need those products and services so that's sort of understanding them so products and service knowledge hmm. yeah not so much for sales now because banks can't really sell um or for say mpi we're we're doing um we've just finished this big program helping pacific islands manage their fisheries that's really cool so they used to go over there and run lots of workshops but you know that gets harder and harder so it's um putting that into online learning but a blended learning program where they've got um, webinars as well or they might have one-to-one um, -one coaching or whatever else but they've got different things and that's a whole span of hmm. you know different things um what else are we doing at the moment oh we're doing this really cool one with um lalanga which uh, is financial literacy for pacifica mm. and yeah i just think it's very cool very cool program and he's awesome too um, we are doing so any one time we're doing 10, 15 very, very different projects really vastly different pro we're doing one on a series on neurodiversity at the moment uh, that's pretty interesting um, we are gosh, heck, I don't know yeah. if you think of all the large corporates we're probably working with some of them like the Fonteras and the uh, Fisher and Paykel Healthcare and the Air in New Zealand and the, all of those as well as the governments but just anything unique to them, particularly around their core operations. So if you can buy it off the shelf, we don't do it. Hmm. Do, do you like record videos of yep. you guys doing it or no. them talking? Sometimes them talking. Um, we do do a lot of video, but we if we're doing video, it's often scenario-based learning. So you're put into this scenario and here's the context and da-da-da. Now you need to make this choice. And um, ideally that's in first person. So you're talking to you. What do you want to say next? Mm. Great. He said that. What do you want to do about that? Okay, cool. Now that takes you over here. And this is the the natural consequence rather than, um, you know, if you're reading about stuff, we, we try and show, not tell. 
or if experience it, not just read it. Because mm. um, you can read whole, you can read all the policies you like. That doesn't mean you can actually do anything right that they wanted you to do. Yeah. So if um, yeah, so for info security and privacy, which is you know quite a big thing, rather than just read the policy again and do a quiz, it's like cool. Um, somebody's no, the phone rings. You pick up the phone and it's like, hey, could you just let me know blah 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 about my record? It's like, uh, sure. And then somebody pops up and says, uh, no, you can't do that. You better read the privacy policy again, sort of thing. Oh, I'm sorry, I can't do that. But can you um, confirm your identity? And then, like, what questions do you want to ask? So you're actually doing it. And then yeah. back on the job, you can do it. It makes sense. that There was an incredible sales trainer because I used to do the leadership training for um, that commission only selling. So I started working it out and getting better at it. Um, and he broke, it, broke it down in three segments of learning, which was attitude, knowledge, and skill. Yes. But most trainers make yes. the mistake of teaching skill as knowledge. Like you're saying, yes. that reading component. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And, and that's, if we're talking about learning, the first thing is what do you want them to do? Not know. Don't tell them tell them this and this and this. Doesn't mm. change anything. What do you want them to do? Great. Now let's figure out what's the easiest way to help them do that. So our sort of little byline is our job is to make it easy for them to be good at it. But what is it? What's it? What do you want them to be good at? And yeah. it's not recalling a policy or remembering the procedure. It's like actually doing it. What do you want them to do? And so some people, you know, this this awareness training, you know, there, I mean, that used to be a big thing, awareness training. It's like, great. Why do you want them to be aware? What do you want them to say or do differently? What's the point? Sticking stuff in the head. Aware. Now what? I want yeah. them to be a monk. Yeah. <laughs> Or aware of a monk? Why? Yeah. <laughs> huh. Do do you, how, what about the motivational component? So I understand the do part. Yeah. I didn't think of it like that. It makes sense. How do you motivate or encourage? Like, what do they get out of it? Like mm. the learner that's mm. starting. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Well, there's definitely you've got. Um, so, I. If we're upskilling some people, I often use our little model called SCOM. SCOM. SCOM, yeah. Uh, it's skill, like you say, skill, knowledge, opportunity, and motivation. So if somebody says, hey, they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing, um, this is based on Mager, if anybody's heard of Mager, but he's one of my gurus. Um, skill, knowledge, opportunity, motivation. Hmm. Can they do it? Could they do, ever do it? And then, so if they could do it and now they're not doing it, then you don't need training. It's not training again. Knowledge. Do they know what they need to know? And do they know when they're supposed to do it? And do they know what standard you want from them? And then opportunity is, you know, have they got the resources to do it? Have they got the, you know, everything they need to be able to do it? Are there barriers or obstacles to performance? And then the motivation. Okay, so are you rewarding the behavior you want or the performance you want? Or actually, in some cases, um, there's negative consequences to doing what you want them to do, so they stop doing it. Or there's no consequences, so there's no point, so they don't bother. So really, and then and then if you're looking at that, do you want? Um, are you encouraging intrinsic motivation or extrinsic? Mm. But either way, there has to be consequence. So we're thinking about that. So if we've got somebody who says, "Hey, we need training," then it's like, okay, cool, let's just scom it for a sec um, and understand, you know, what is what's the real gap here? Um, what do you want them to be doing? that they're not doing and what are they doing that you didn't want them doing because there's two parts to that uh, and then we can sort of scom that and if it's just a purely motivation thing or even so fantastic training learning whatever you want to call it isn't going to change anything if as you say the m isn't right the motivation or the consequences and for salespeople, as you know, it might be their commission structure. It just it doesn't encourage them to go sell that product, so nobody will. So, what are you rewarding and what are you punishing, and is there a consequence anyway? Mm. So, and we can't necessarily always affect those, but we can recommend into you need to look at this or you need to address that. So, selfish question here, yeah, because I um. I started an online learning platform that sucks. <laughs> I was like, oh, you know, I'll build it. I've got an audience. And then I'll get instructors to teach things about money. Mm. Um, mm -hmm. But it was too hard for them to, like, the learning curve. I had this one long hour video broken up into chapters that will teach them how to work through things. So that was, you know, asking too much. Yep. 
and but the, my main goal is to be able to create content at scale that has the potential for them to start doing which is going to be hard if you were to do that how would you if you had a static system that or is that impossible and i need to do like monthly workshops um but what would be a way to encourage and inspire others to start taking smart make smarter decisions with their money from an infrastructure Mm. and framework standpoint Mm -hmm. yeah yeah well that yeah so with like the sorted website Mm. you know sorted yeah okay it's got amazing amount of stuff on it it's got all sorts of tools and techniques and clever stuff and whatever else if you know what specific thing you're looking for you can find it if you don't know what you don't know and you don't know what you need to know, you actually need a pathway for that. Mm-hmm. And along the way, you need little celebrations or rewards or achievements or feeling like little successes. So you need that pathway and you need the little sense of achievement along the way to keep you going. And that should be practical and applied. But just like anything, just like people can read a book and they go, wow, great book, but they don't do anything about it. Mm-hmm. So can you then somehow uh, ensure the doing part? And is that the one-on-one or the little webinar or the follow-up or the consequence? What's the consequence of not doing anything mm. or starting it? Do you know how many people, I don't know the stats, but how many people pay for an online course, for an example, and don't, if they start, yeah. don't finish? Now, not finishing might be a consequence of a poor design of the course, but not starting but then again, what could you do to get them to start, yeah. to help them start? If that's the problem, how do you help them start? And if they fall off at, you know, mod two or mod three, what else can you do? To, is that when you need to personally intervene? Or sometimes people do need a bit of a coach to yeah. plug them through. So no, yeah, it makes sense. It's like, a pathway. The, the, the plan for the emotional component, um, that part of the business, was to do these large events and um, inspire and encourage people and teach them things. And then... They go on a, a retreat of mm. sorts and to create a better reality and a, a more meaningful connection with themselves and their world around them. And then it's it's a certain price tag so they're motivated to do it, but then refund a portion, a large portion of that if they maintain their own community from it. It sounds a bit culty. Um, for a sustained period of time to incentivize that community. But I never thought to apply it to finance because I only learned money because it's important for people pours the shit out of me but now i understand it i get it um so is there yeah like even applying to psychology or any sort of um organization that wants to make a difference recognizes they don't want to bottle and neck it to them and you like you 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 work with quite large scaled organizations so how do you incorporate that? You've got a limited amount of time, but you want to make a meaningful impact. Is it that large event, breaking into communities? Like, I don't know. I put you on the spot. Um, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm up for it. Um, okay. Uh, take. Give me the topic. What is your topic? So say psychologists. Right now, yep. we maybe make 15 new clinical psychologists a year. They have an 8 to 10 week waiting list. So there's a huge mm. unmet, unserviced yeah, need. Yeah. Someone calls up suicidal, they're on hold for 30 yeah. minutes. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Sorry. Right. Keep so going. how do we scale psychology in Whoa. the sense where from they learn tools, yep. they have a certain means of utilizing those tools in their life, yep. and then they have some sort of support to keep that accountability consequence. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's, that's definitely a whole sort of program. Um, I would probably start by getting a group of the potential people, the users, into a little focus group and going, right, when you're feeling like that, what's the best thing we could do to help you? Great. Then, given this, this or this, it could have turned out either way, then what would be the best? And I would, they call it co-design. I call it a focus group. Um, or user-centered design, whatever you know the, they would like to call it today. Um, yeah, and, and figure out what's what's the best way to take that forward. I've seen mm. this beautiful tool um, on LeVar's website. Again, that's Pacifica. Um, yeah, 
yeah, yeah. Um, and it's uh, something like Ask Auntie, and it's um, it's an interactive coaching thing. It's like, hey, what's your problem? Blah blah blah, and you put that in, and it says, okay, and so what have you done about it? And da, da, da. and then, and have you considered it? And it's it's an interactive sort of coaching tool. Now you have to sort of type or text to to interact with it, but um, yeah, it's a really nice little tool. It's very cool. I think the value of talking to somebody is they can, yeah, they, they, they have insights, but it's also questioning. We did a module once, a module, um, so there was a workshop on courageous conversations uh, for NRNZ, actually, at the time, and um, we wanted to turn that into a module, and an e-learning type, digital learning type mm. module. We had little components of video and things like that with different techniques, but we had this voice actually asking you questions from a coaching perspective. And it's it's very similar to that Lavar tool, which was um, text-based. But it, yeah, you can very cleverly answer, uh, ask the right questions to get people to thinking. Because one of the most powerful tools is, why do you think that? And why? And why? And why? And there's a certain point that that's useful. It's not all the time. But, um, yeah, what have you considered and what have you uh, sort of tried and what worked well about that? Or can you think yeah. of a time when you were successful? Great. How how could that overlay into this? And, you know, all those sorts of things. I think it really could be done. It's a, it's a, it's a good lesson As a to part. have again. Yeah, no, well, it's... It's not the whole, the whole but... Yeah, no, it makes sense. It's like, I, I talk about this with content all the time. A whole lot of people sitting in a boardroom um, speculating over six months to make a stock image on their Facebook gets two likes. They're speculating on what the market needs instead of pre- presenting something to the market and listing what the market wants. Yep. And I didn't do that. It makes it oh. re-listen a little. I just made something. This is what they want instead of building uh, a yeah, community yeah. that's invested in and a part of the process. Yep. How do you, are there tools that you, apart from a focus group, so a digital component, that creates that incorporation like whether it's like discord or something like that or how would you because you've probably got these different people in different areas is there a way that you help facilitate good data and good feedback you know like in terms of there's a tool or do you you know send out an email do you just call them all and talk to every single one of them how Uh, do you get little iterations from right yeah 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 so from the from the original co-design and focus group thing yeah, and you see one, what's happening. Yeah, you've created yeah. it for this group. How do yep. you make sure it's on point and keep making yeah. adjustments? Yeah, yeah. Um, so as soon as you've done it the first time, your first thing would be a pilot or a user testing yeah. and then you're getting quite deep feedback because the people are, um, that are buying into the pilot or the user testing know that they're the first up. So they're open to giving you good feedback and I would tend to say structured feedback so that you know the good questions that you need to ask because even in the questions, the design of the questions you're asking, verbally or not, that's a part. Um, you can do those monthly sort of um, checks, online checks, survey checks. So every month, how are you feeling about this and da-da-da, or tell us what you think. Or the MPS, and I suppose people like MPS, uh, the um, Net Promoter Score, because it's what's your rating, 1 to 10, and what's your main reason for that? So it's very quick for people to answer, but you get a lot of information out of two very quick questions. Um, so doing that. Uh, but also, in like in our platform, there's a little feedback, just a feedback button. Say anything you want, you know. Press the button and type in your thing. Like zero on their platform, they have the little smiley, how did you feel about it? And only the people who are really happy or really sad will actually respond. The, me- the middle lot don't. And that's okay because that's fine, but you're actually getting those, and that's that's the sort of info. Um, I also just read this other book that um, said when you're doing customer surveys and things, or user surveys, sometimes it's useful just to focus on your ideal audience or your ideal user. Yeah. So rather than get the outliers and running around trying to mm. you know, cater to outliers, get the ones who really are your target or really using it strongly or the, they're the strongest promoters, now build on that because that's where your gold lies sort of thing. Hey, it's, it's funny. Hey, that's sort of the benefit of those EO and stuff like that is that you, you forget, like you, you're essentially yep, saying you 80-20. And I'm yes, just like, 
always eighty twenty. It's mad. Yep. Okay. So I lo- I love and I think the audience um, would appreciate too around the the tool component. Like, what do you use to design learning? Like, I use Learn Dash, or do you have your own platform? Or yep. what are some cool tools if someone wanted to design their own sort of thing? Ah, oh, okay, cool. So, if somebody wanted to create digital learning, yeah. Um, the first thing I would recommend is to go articulate. So, articulate, articulate is okay. yeah. So it's um, it's what we call a rapid authoring tool. Um, so it creates e-learning, rapid authoring tool, a rat. Um, but Articulate, and within the Articulate suite, there's Articulate Storyline, which needs a bit more sort of thought and things, but we can do almost anything with Articulate Storyline. Mm. But then as part of the same suite, you've got Articulate Rise. And what that does is gives very normal people, like anybody, the ability to create online material, I say online content, uh, interactive content with quizzing and reviewing um, you can embed videos and images and things like that I'm not saying that it, it instantly makes you instructionally sound it doesn't necessarily <laughs> give you amazing learning design yeah. but it's an easy tool to use and to drive and to put content in and things like that yeah, yeah very PC way of saying that oh, some well, of you shouldn't just, be making content yeah, that's what I think not you <coughs> no no, no that's right yeah stay um, in your little box and type I used to have this very um, favourite expression, it's online, but is it learning? Because people used to throw content online, mm. add a quiz and go, hey, it's learning. It's like, yeah, it's online, but is it learning? Where's the learning design part of that? Um, it's content online yeah. with a couple of questions on it. I feel attacked. Oh, sorry. No, no, I don't. No, thanks. <laughs> I want to get better, um, so I don't care. But here's another one. Another cool one is for quick little cute animations, something like Biteable. It's just, or you can go bigger, stronger for something like Vyond, which requires more effort. But um, yeah, just like those little animations where you can really bring out your message in a, a little, it's almost like a comm, a communication. Cool. Yeah, but they're, they're two really good starter type tools. Dude, if, if there's a way to make <clears throat> animation scalable and engaging, <clears throat> nearly every business, I believe, should have a mascot. Yeah. Okay, then you're talking about handcrafting, but... Yeah, well, for me, yeah, well, then that's it's a bit slightly different. different animation. Yeah. yeah, handcrafted animation's really expensive, mm. but in some you can create different sort of characters and dress them up and put uniforms on them and things like that. And so you could use that as your mascot, but it's not fully handcrafted. Yeah, that, that's a valid because nearly every successful I've, business I've seen have a mascot, whether it's a person or it's mm. a cartoon. Because mm. yeah. who, who cares about the it's like nice. the brand, like even Nike. Nike is in essence um, the people that wear the equipment. That's their mascots. I'm not looking at tech yeah. and be like, oh, yeah. it's fine. <laughs> people care about people. We made yeah, it. Yeah, that's true. We're at 55 minutes, by the way. So what would be, you know, something either that people will personally get benefit from or from a corporate standpoint? that they should be mindful of that you would like as you're um, imparting words of wisdom? Uh, if we're talking about businesses, yeah, yeah, organisations, so anybody who hires people and puts them, yeah, hires them and needs to embed them, induct them. Uh, okay, we, we talked about this briefly before. We uh, During COVID years, we've talked about the great resignation mm. And then they're talking now about the great regret. <laughs> so people left you, went somewhere else, and that organisation didn't do a good job of aligning them, engaging them, and embedding them. So maybe some four quick tips uh, on, and and also those those um, which I'm still hearing about today. Somebody sends out a contract, and the person either doesn't sign it and send it back after they verbally said they would. Or they sign it, send it back, but they never actually turn up for day one. That's still happening today. And what that means is between uh, recruiting them, and maybe you did a bad job during that recruitment process and it was a bit dodgy, uh, but between supposedly hiring them in their first day, they got cold feet, they weren't really bought in, they weren't engaged, and they got another opportunity or they got cold feet and were returned or to the last place or whatever. So during then, this is called pre-boarding or pre-start, you've got a huge opportunity to turn them into a ambassador, get them excited, get them engaged, um, 
get them really thinking about you know their life in your company and reassuring them the biggest thing is reassuring them that they made a good decision to come to you so during that first little stage um one of the things we really encourage our companies to do uh, the ones we work with is to send them some sort of little gift and i know people do that on their first day and they leave something on their desk send it to them beforehand that's when they're you know they can feel a bit dodgy or have cold feet so send them a little welcome gift ideally that represents your company in some way so yep if you've got if you actually make a product they could a consumer type product sure that might be good um if uh if you're a service then think about what might be associated with what you do and if you've got a marketing department you've got lots of branded items anyway so use some of those so whatever it is let it be a reflection of you and so for us, just as an example, I just did one today, um, we do a bottle of champagne because it's like, yay, you're coming to join us. And then we put in um, whatever was our last sort of Christmas gift, uh, branded Christmas gift, and a little package and say, hey, we're so excited to see you. Plus, of course, they get invited to start their induction because, you know, obviously we use induction app ourselves. Mm. And so they get uh, a little link to that. And they go, oh, okay. And it's got a little welcome video from me. And then it's got, here's how you can prepare, how we're going to prepare for you. You know, we're going to have morning tea for you. What sort of, um, what's your dietary requirements to make sure we cater to you? And, you know, all those sorts of things. And here's a bit about the company. And yeah, you made such a good decision. So it's a bit of reinforcement. So one's the welcome gift. Um, to find out... Um, yeah, give them something compelling or engaging about your company to buy into, whether it's your vision or whether it's a bit of the backstory. So we include a little backstory about how the company got created and how the how optimism sits with induction company. It's just like, oh, hey, wow, I feel like I know you a bit better. So that sort of thing. So inspiring company information. Um, oh, paperwork. Gosh, if you're still sending out paper, that's just a bad thing. Because, one, you're making them handwrite out you know, a whole lot of information. We're not used to ha that much handwriting. Secondly, you're making it do it three times on their IR330 or in New Zealand, uh, their KiwiSaver and their um, employee payroll form. Please just put it online. You know, let them fill out one little online form. It propagates the three or more forms, you know, honestly. Make that part. So it's just all this reinforcement type stuff to make them think, yeah, I made a good decision. And yeah, I know the stuff I need to know to look good on first day. Then, of course, make their first day welcoming, engaging, and not overload of paperwork and all that stuff. It's, it really is about, hey, we're so glad to have you here. And uh, yeah, it's just being, that, that first part is just being thoughtful about the experience you want them to have. Rather than just go, oh, yeah, because yeah, for business owners, definitely, but a lot of managers, inducting people is such a burden. It's like, oh, flip, I forgot. They're starting on Monday. Damn it, I've got all these meetings. Shit, what shall I do with them? You know, oh, sit them in the corner. You read that for a while. You know, um, sorry, I'll, I'll come and see you at 2 p.m. Um, oh, running a bit late. Uh, you know, and it's just a big effort. Mm. So anyway, it's just <laughs> thinking about the induction experience that you want your people to have and really reinforcing their decision to join you. Yeah, it's massive. And we used to look at it um, when we recruit people about um, kind of like a ship. You know, once the ship's going the right direction, um, it's, it's pretty easy to, you know, like it's gone that way. In the essence that I, I look at what are the values that we can convey in the best way with the best people when they first come in. So the process part, I avoid like plague, but I know it's important. So I'm listening <laughs> to how you do that. Streamlined. Yeah, streamlined. Automated. Yeah, we'll get, I'll get there. But I, I think Greg will continue his way. Um, but around, you know, say work ethic, you know, you, you, you put them with someone that has a great work ethic, that has good values, and then they tend to take on 80% of what that person does. So then they're already going the right direction. Instead of like they're four weeks down, they've been around people that aren't encouraging them, supporting yeah. them. And then, but then you shouldn't have those people around anyway. Yeah. If will. you're a business owner. yeah. yeah. I mean, it's different in companies, but as a business owner, one of our little EO type thoughts that we have is would you hire, rehire everybody in your company at the drop of a hat? Mm. <clears throat> and I often think about that. <clears throat> and yep, right now, yep, absolutely I would. What it was Gary Vaynerchuk says, hiring is guessing, firing is knowing. 
Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. So, now that we're at the hour, yep. who should find you and how can they find you? So, you know, you've got these two companies, Optimism and Induction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, who should be looking for you and how to, how, how they should be looking for you? <laughs> cool. Uh, <clears throat> okay, large companies, corporates, governments um, who want um, bespoke learning solutions, learning and performance solutions, unique design just for you for a, a key role or for whatever. That's optimism. So optimism.co.nz. Um, anybody who knows they need to sort out the way they do induction because they need to get their people engaged, aligned, productive and compliant quickly, easily, set their people up for success, then you want to go to inductionapp.co. Cool. Easy. Thank you for coming. <laughs> Thank you.